Thank you for listening to the Sermon of the Week. Remember to visit our website at www.revivalministry.co.za where you can sign up to receive more of these powerful messages. To say this with me, I have a good heritage. Come on, who said that? No, in the Bible, who said that? Is <laughs> anyone? Shout it out. Abraham. Abraham, first guess. Someone else said it. Oh, I'm getting your brains going. Okay, I'm going to stand here until someone finds it. <laughs> All right, you can Google it. You can. Uh, okay, David said it. Let me just help you guys out there. Psalm 16, verse 6. David said, My lines have fallen in good places. I have a good heritage. All right, so next question. What is a heritage? Someone tell me. Wow, it's quiet in this church this morning. Bloodline, okay. So, so your, your genetic makeup, that's your heritage, okay. What, what is heritage? Okay, you can shout it out in this church. Something that's legally yours, okay. Come on, what's heritage? Shout it out. You guys all went through heritage day. And no one knows what heritage is. We pride. That's heritage. <laughs> Thanks, Jan Blom. Okay. What's his name? Jan Brai. No, that's not your heritage. What is heritage? You can't have a public holiday and like not know. Feit gefang. No, it's not Friday. Okay, something that's yours. Okay, we've got we've got genetic, we've got bloodline. Okay, something from previous generations. We've got something you legally own. Okay, say what? Language. A sense of family and thanks. Value traditions. Okay, all right. There we go. Ten points for googling. <laughs> That's fine. You're welcome to Google in this church. All right. Phones must be switched off unless you're giving offering. All right. <laughs> unless you're Googling the answers to my questions. <laughs> All right. Heritage. What is heritage? In the natural, yes, it's something that is passed down from your parents, something that is passed down from previous generations. In the natural, yes, it is something that you physically own. In the natural, in the very natural, it's Friday. <laughs> we touched on it actually this morning. Someone said it, I'm not sure. But heritage is what God gives you when he anoints your life. That's, that's your heritage. And God comes and he anoints you. And so David could say, my lines have fallen in good places. 
I have a good heritage. That wasn't David, you know, like, you know, it wasn't David who had grown up in a wealthy family and then by chance his lines had fallen in a good place and he was looking back and saying, wow, I have a good, you know, bloodline. I have a, I have a good inheritance. Heritage comes out of the word inheritance. Okay, that's a clue to, to where heritage, the word, comes from. But David's heritage didn't come from that. David's heritage, the heritage he was talking about, came out of him receiving the anointing that God had for his life. So David was the youngest. You know the story. David's dad was a sheep farmer. They had a good mutton business. It was good in the winter for wool. And then at Christmas, when everyone made roast lamb. Just a joke. I'm trying to modernize it, get you thinking about David in today's world. He's in this mutton farm. And David is brother number, how many, what brother number was he? You guys don't know your Bible. Are you even Christian? Like, no, I'm just kidding. Okay. <laughs> We're going to do another altar call. All right. <laughs> okay, I had to Google this one as well because I thought he was one of 12, but he was one of eight. So he's brother number eight. He had seven brothers. Someone was nearly right. Who was that? Someone said seven. Here we go. Okay. Say it loudly. It was me. Okay. <laughs> All right. He had seven brothers, but he was very young. He was much younger. So his brothers, older brothers, were probably the farm managers. They were doing the important things like running accounting and telling the workers what to do. All right? David was, he was doing the work. He was the shepherd boy. He wasn't in the office. He wasn't in the aircon. He was out in the fields. And in culture and tradition, his inheritance was smaller than the eldest. And what was David doing while shepherding? He was getting to know God. He was getting to know his real father. He was getting to understand the heart of God. And so he was starting to see what an inheritance looks like. And so Samuel comes along and he wants to anoint the brothers. And obviously, because the eldest is in accounting, Because the eldest has been managing the bank details, the bank account for a long time. Obviously, he is the one who's supposed to be anointed. But he wasn't. And so, poor Jesse brought son number one, son number two, son number three. Surely it must be son number four. Number five, 
Six and seven, last hope. No. There must be one more. There's, there's someone who doesn't look like the king. Who probably still picks his nose. Doesn't brush his hair in the right way. Someone that from the outside shouldn't even have a great calling on their life. And Jesse's like, oh, where are you? Where are you? <laughs> David? <laughs> Him? He's driving the tractor today. Let's get him. And they bring him, and Saul, Samuel anoints him as the next king. And in that moment, his heritage is completely transformed. In that moment, his life is completely transformed. His calling is completely transformed. And he's taken out of farm management well, farm labor. And he's placed far above farm management. So, so many of us, when we think about management, we picture ourselves in the current space we're in. And we look at the top of the current organization and we think that's where I need to get to. And when God anoints you, he gives you a whole different heritage that's far above even the system or the organization or the family you're in. So the first time I felt this, I was part of a much bigger ministry than this. And I'd given my life to serve God in that ministry and I, well, it was easier to give up everything. I just had to move out my mom's house. <laughs> As a 19-year-old, I get in a car, I go to Cape Town because God said so. He really did. Bernadine and I were dating. Her mom said, there's lots of other fish in the sea, don't worry. <laughs> I went to her house. I said bye for the last time. Really. I said, we don't know what God has for us. I, I might never move back to Pretoria. God's called me to Cape Town. And off I go. Listening to, really listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit. See, God was setting me up for anointing. God was setting me up for a whole new heritage. And I'll never forget one Friday night, I'd become the youth volunteer. I'll never forget preparing for youth getting ready, everything, so I'm so excited. No one comes. And I'm sitting alone in the back seat there in this whole church auditorium. And I so clearly heard God say, your ministry is going to be bigger than this. I'm like, obviously. Obviously. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, God. <laughs> I mean, if one kid walks in the door, it's bigger. Thank you. <laughs> and God said, no, no, bigger than this organization. 
bigger than the church you're volunteering for. Now, that doesn't mean that I'm, my ministry is going to be bigger than that big church. It means he's calling for my life. is far greater in his anointing than it is in me putting trust in the big church, in the big organization. Does that make sense? My trust is not in the organization I work for or serve or volunteer or help out for. My trust is in God and in his anointing. So I can testify to the fact that God has really honored us because we've obeyed his voice. And we've allowed him to anoint us into our calling. Now, not everyone gets to preach. <clears throat> Maybe I should say thank the Lord. <laughs> but everyone has a calling and everyone has an anointing. And it's in that specific place that your heritage is far bigger than if you're putting your hope in any organization. Or if you're putting your hope in any system or if you're putting your hope even in your family line or your race or where you come from. And as South Africans, we are so used to looking back on the past and saying it's our past that has given us what we have now. But I want to say today, South Africa's heritage is not its past, it's its future. And it's its anointing in the calling of God. And so South Africans, if we want to talk about our heritage, we need to be speaking about the prophecies and the anointing that God has given every South African to be a South African. <laughs> Maybe you've heard it too much that to be South African is a curse, but let me tell you what, it is an anointing and it is a blessing to be called a South African. Because we have a specific anointing in this specific place and in this specific time. And that is our heritage. That is our heritage. Is what God has given us going forward. And so it's when we, each one, starts to live in our anointing. Which doesn't come through. You can't strive into your anointing. You can't force yourself into your anointing. God comes and gives it to you and you say, yes, God. Mary is just hanging out in the field. She's just, whatever she was doing, she's out in this field not expecting a life-changing phone call. You get it? Angel appears. Well, Angel says, you're going to be pregnant but as a virgin. And her answer isn't, what? <laughs> Crazy angel. <laughs> no, no her, her answer is, as you say, so may it be. Yes, God, so may it be. We need to be saying, yes, God, a whole lot more to the Holy Spirit when he speaks to us because we say yes to our personal heritage. And so, so many people are waiting for that release. 
They're waiting for the windfall. They're waiting for, if only, if only, if only is a restraining order. It restrains you. It doesn't sustain you. The only increase you will see is the yes, God, as you say, God. May it be, God. Because what lies ahead of you when you say yes is greater than anything that can be given to you. And so David, when he became king, he had mighty men around him. And how many of you know none of his brothers were his mighty men? None of his brothers were with him. When he became king, when he became mighty man, when he became hero of Israel, his older brother was still accountant of Van Weyck's mutton farm. I'm just making it modern. Let's, whatever it is. Big difference. Big difference when you step into the inheritance. His anointing and inheritance and heritage was so big that Saul was afraid, that Saul was jealous, that Saul did everything he could to kill him. Let me tell you what, when God's anointing is on you, your enemy cannot take you out, your enemy cannot take you down. It's when you start playing by their rules in fear that you will be taken out. But when you stick to what God has called you to, when you stick to the truth, when you stand firm on his promise, when you don't live in fear, but you say, God, this is your will for my life, then nothing can shake you, nothing can move you. It's not comfortable hiding in a cave, no. David hid in a cave. But still, he knew he was anointed. Still, the men gathered around him. Still his might grew. His fame did not diminish when he hid. His fame increased to the point that when the time came and the right time came, he could stand up in his anointing. The right time will come. Regardless of how old or ugly or young or weak or strong or talented or untalented you are, when the time comes, it will come. And don't think for a moment the time has come and gone because it's still ahead of you. It's always ahead of you. We always say Moses was 80 years old when he marched into Egypt to deliver the promised land. Can I see any hands? How many of you are older than 80? Anyone in the room? No one? Okay, how many of you are younger than 80? Just put your hands up nice and high. Okay. All right, keep them there. Keep them there. Keep them there. All right. Your inheritance is still ahead of you. Your best work is still ahead of you. Your best achievements is still ahead of you. God's assignment is still where? Ahead of you. Because what's in the past cannot sustain you going forward. It's your heritage, your inheritance from God, your promise that sustains you going forward. That's why salvation is so powerful. That's why it doesn't matter what's happened in the past. It's about what you say about the future. 
It's about what you say about your next step. It's you agreeing with God's word. That's what makes salvation so powerful. Someone say amen. amen. All right, that was my first point, and I have a whole page of points. It's because of faith. Faith is everything. When God speaks, our response to his word, our yes, is, it stirs something in us. And that what it stirs, the yes to his word, is what we call faith. Faith isn't believing that God exists, because even the demons believe God exists. Faith is actually listening to his word. Did you hear that? Jesus said, yeah, the demons, they, they, they believe I exist. Too many people count themselves as believers because they believe he exists, but they don't actually believe that his word has power in their lives. Today is about saying yes to his word, believing that it actually has an effect in our lives. Not just believing in God, but actually believing God. Someone say amen. Okay, Hebrews eleven fifteen talks about the heroes of faith. It's one of my favorite scriptures. How many of you know what the beginning of Hebrews eleven says? Shout it out. Someone? Hebrews eleven. Shout it out. No, no shout it louder. <laughs> There we go, Satish. Well done. Give him a big hand. All right. (laughs) Now faith is the evidence of things hoped for. The evidence of things unseen. Okay? So, how many of you, you can't be hoping for what's been. You've got to hope for what hasn't been yet. Otherwise, you have no faith. Hello? Hello? You can't look back and go, I want that again. That's not faith. You've got to look to what hasn't been. Amen? Say, my best is still ahead of me. Okay. All right, so now it's talking about the Israelites. And it says, if they had been, Hebrews 11 verse 15 talking about these, not the Israelites, the heroes of faith. It says, if they had been thinking with remembrance of the country from which they were immigrants, they would have found constant opportunity to return to it. In other words, if they were homesick, they would have looked back and they would have desired every opportunity to go back there. Swiss and the older. They don't make things like they used to. That's not true. But thank you for the enthusiasm. Shame. She's been in hibernation for six months in Durban. (laughs) Got to get you back in the truth until Lorraine. (laughs) Don't make every opportunity to go back there. (laughs) 
Come on, let's, let's give you a new truth. They will make things better than they used to <laughs> in the future. <laughs> okay, but I understand what Auntie Lorraine's saying. That plastic kettle doesn't work like the ones they, they used to make, right? <laughs> or iron. Yeah, we have a gripe with irons right now. Okay, <laughs> someone invent an iron that lasts 15 years. We'll buy it. He has the money, take it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> what we returned the iron uh, like a week after the warranty went. Like, geez, thanks, guys. Like, <laughs> all right. But these are the things we say because we look for every opportunity to go back. See, that's without faith. You have now. I have faith, or you have without faith. And without faith, you want to go back to what was good because you don't think there is anything better up ahead of you. And so the whole Bible, if you read the history and the narrative of the Israelites coming out of Egypt and going the whole time, they're looking back. They've just seen the sea part. Like, you know, like when you walk past the aquarium in the back and you see people in the mother's room, they walked through the sea and they looked at whales and sharks and sand rays and lionfish and they're like wow that's awesome and they get through to the other side and the sea closes in over the egyptians and then a week later they're like but where's the food we're gonna die we want to go back we want to go back let's find a way to go back how many of you know that the journey from egypt to the promised land is a three-week walk three-week walk if you take your Vibram finger shoes and you walk, it's going to take you three weeks. And they spent 40 years. And the lie that has been spoken in the church is that God wants you to walk for 40 years in the desert. Poor, poor Moses. I mean, he'd already lived for 40 years in the desert. Then he gets called out. Then he leads the people back in and their disobedience caused them to wonder. Not their obedience, their disobedience. Wondering for 40 years is the fruit of disobedience, of not faith, of hoping to go back. That's what wandering in the desert is. That's what wandering in the wilderness is. It's hoping to go back. So what happens? You go forward, you turn around, you go back. Then you come back forward again and you turn around and you go back and you do that for 40 years. And in our modern day society, and many of us experience that, we experience last month was the same as the previous month and so month after month and year after year and then time just starts clicking over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. Someone fix that thing. They don't make intercoms like they used to. It just rings randomly. Good point, though. <laughs> so God wants you to step into faith. Okay. And then it says, but the truth is that they were yearning. Now, these are the heroes of faith. They were yearning. They weren't looking back. They weren't looking for every opportunity to go back. Hebrews eleven fifteen. But the truth is they were yearning for and aspiring to a better and a more desirable country like South Africa. 
that is a heavenly one. Do you hear that? It's a kingdom country. You're not yearning for something else on earth that already exists. You're yearning for something that is a heavenly, a kingdom country. A kingdom inheritance. No, that's a new word. A kingdom inheritance. A kingdom heritage. For that reason, God is not ashamed to be called their God. Even to be, it says here, even to be surnamed their God. In other words, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, the God of Jonathan, the God of Bernadine. God is not ashamed to be called your God. How many of you know that God wants to attach his name to you? Because you take on his heritage. You're no longer the son of so and so. You become the son of God. The son of the living God. And he is not ashamed to say, I am the God of you. Does that make sense? Is that that powerful? In Hebrews 11 verse 40 says, Because God had us in mind and had something better and greater in view for us, so that they should not come to perfection apart from us. In other words, God had something better in mind for us. And God's going to have something better in mind for your children. And God's going to have something better in mind for your children's children. And so there's a heart change that takes place where we try and make the next generation like us. But actually God has something better. We point them to God. We say God is your source. But ourselves, we're also, we're looking at our source. God has something better in mind. He always has something better in mind. Someone say amen. Now, Proverbs 8, verse 12 says, I, wisdom, make prudence my dwelling, and I find out knowledge and discretion. I love those who love me, and those who seek me early and diligently. Okay, so prudence is basically to be future-minded, to take care so that the future can exist. Prudence is establishing your current ways so that your future is better. It's the opposite of buying clothes on account. Does it make sense? When we buy in debt, bad debt on credit cards, on account, basically we eat now, pay later. The opposite prudence is save now, enjoy later. Does that make sense? Okay, we've been speaking this last month on the spirit of poverty and the spirit of prosperity. Poverty is believing I won't have enough. Poverty is believing God doesn't care about me. Poverty is believing that there isn't something better. So we try and eat now. Enjoy the now. It's not that God doesn't want us to enjoy the now. It's just that he has something Better. Does that make sense? 
So it says, and those who seek me, I, I love those who love me, and those who seek me early and diligently. Now, I struggle as a morning person. Five o'clock is hard for me. Anyone like me in the room? Thank you. I see that hand, Jan Albert. <laughs> All right? At five o'clock is like, yo. Takes me a long time to, to slip out of the duvet covers. Okay. But we can say, yes, those who seek me early in the morning. But also, let's put it this way. Those who seek me before the poop hits the fan. Something that's so, f- what I find in church is that people will rock up, yeah, after the poop hits the fan. They seek God after the problem, not seek God for his word before the problem. They're not seeking God for his promise. They're not seeking God for his will in their life. But when the poop hits the fan, where's God? Where was God? Why wasn't God there? Let me go to church. Now, I'm saying, come. If that's you, come. This is the best place you can go. But God has something in store for those who seek Him early and diligently. For those who establish their ways and their life on His Word. Doesn't say that there won't be challenges, there won't be hardships, but you'll understand them, you'll be ready for them. You'll see their purpose. Remember, grace is the ability to absorb impact. Hello? Grace is the ability for you to walk through anything. You're not, you're not thrown left and right and left and right by what comes your way. You, you keep your eyes focused on God's word. You keep your eyes focused on what he said for you. And so you're able to absorb things. But there is a prudence. Prudence isn't being all prim and proper. It's being, this is my future. And I'm going to apply God's word to my future. And I'm diligently going to seek the Lord early. In the beginning of the year, on the 1st of January, you've got the word. (laughs) Does that make sense? Seek him before the problems come. And walk in his direction. Walk in the ways that God has given you to walk. Walk in your inheritance. Walk in your anointing. Jeremiah 17 verse 7 says, Blessed is the man who believes in and trusts on the Lord, whose hope and confidence is in the Lord. And we know this verse. It says, For he shall be like a tree planted by the waters that spreads out its roots by the river. And it, will not, it shall not see and fear when the heat comes, but its leaf shall be green. Isn't it amazing this time of the year the leaves are greener than green? That's what you're going to look like when you're planted by the rivers of God, when you're planted by the Spirit, when you're living in the Spirit. It shall not be anxious and full of care in the year of drought, nor shall it cease yielding its fruit. When you're planted in the word of God, when you're planted in his spirit, you're going to always be green. You're not going to be anxious. You're always going to be a bare fruit. And then Psalm 56, I didn't write down the verse, but David said, Then shall my enemies turn back. 
in the day that I cry out. For this I know, God is for me. And those are just, that's one of the most powerful revelations you can have. God is for you. He's not against you. He's not an angry God hoping that you step up and and fall down or mess up or he's not upset or surprised. He is for you. So when you turn to him and his word is poured out of your life, you will become like that tree. You will be established in his righteousness regardless of whatever comes your way. Because what's ahead of you is your inheritance What's ahead of you is your, inherit, your, your heritage. How many of you just feel encouraged, blessed? Come on. Let's stand. Let's stand. Just say these words with me. The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Yes, I have a good heritage. All right, let's say that with some some oomph. The lines have fallen for me (laughs) in pleasant places. Yes, I have a good heritage. (laughs) My heritage lies before me. I am a tree planted by the streams of the living God. His word nourishes me. me. (laughs) Nothing can come against me. me. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we just thank you that we can spend time in your word and you can lift us up and you can encourage us. That you're always stirring us to our purpose. That you're always calling us into our faith. And so, Father, I pray, Lord, that a sense of courage and confidence and faith will just descend in this church right now. That we will be so stirred by your presence and so stirred with hope, Lord, that nothing will take our eyes off of you and what you've called us to. And we thank you for that quiet confidence that just fills our heart. We thank you that you bless us and we thank you that you are for us. Thank you, Lord, that in this room this morning, some of us are having David experiences where the Holy Spirit just comes and anoints us into specific callings. And Lord, regardless of what we've achieved in the past, where we are, where we're at, Lord, your voice still comes and calls us higher, further, always to something better. And so, Father, we fix our eyes on you this morning and we thank you for that. In Jesus' name. Amen, 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 amen. If you put up your hand this morning and you just want to dedicate your life to God, if you want to dedicate your life to Jesus, John is up front here. Um, why don't you just come forward and, and we just want to pray, pray over. If that's you, just come up. Can we just give those coming up? Just a Thank you for listening to the Sermon of the Week. Remember to visit our website at www.revivalministry.co.za where you can sign up to receive more of these powerful messages.